Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text that we are reading today is from 1 Peter, um, and it's, it's a great text. I'm sure that you've heard it before. Um, in fact, I think two program years ago, we kind of used this as our theme verse for a while. Um, the royal pre- it's, it's in part of that song. Remember I was playing the guitar? A royal priesthood selected by the Lord. That's part of this text here this morning. First uh, Peter, this is a, a letter that Peter wrote to, to churches, to people, to give instructions. And in here, there's actually this great quote. Um, it is from Isaiah. So a lot of the, the, the scriptures in Isaiah are prophetic, talking about the Messiah. This is one of them. It's, it's the first quote that we're going to see is, is from there. And um, the, then the second quote as well, the, the stone rejected. Jesus then quotes this about himself in the gospel of, in all the gospels, but in gospel of Matthew is where we usually go to find this text. It's the more famous of them. So Jesus talks about himself as the stone that the builders rejected now becoming the cornerstone. So this, this text is it's cool because it's got all of these different quotes from different places, and it, it draws our attention to Jesus when he said it, but it draws our attention all the way back to Isaiah when he was prophesying about Jesus who would say it, and it's actually also talking a lot about us. So this is First uh, Peter chapter 2, starting with verse 4. As he come to him... A living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there is a sense um, that I get oftentimes when it comes to uh, the people of God. And uh, I am blessed that this congregation do- doesn't just allow, but actually encourages me to do the, the fun, goofy stuff that I do, like go to Camp Omega for a week, uh, to be a resource guide, to, to go around. And, and it's, it's fun for me, but I learn a lot. I mean, where else do I get to hang out with 120 kids aged 12 to to 17 years old for a whole week talking about Jesus and hearing their struggles and connecting with the things that are going on in their lives. I get to do it for a whole week. That's like, it's like an awesome week-long internship where I'm discovering yet again 
what is this world like that our kids are growing up in? Telling me things that, that they can't tell their parents or maybe don't feel comfortable telling their pastor. That's a, that's a common one I get, especially from the guides, the counselors. They're, they're all college age or just a little bit past college, and they say, you know, that just... I'd be, I'd be scared to tell my pastor X, Y, Z. But they can tell me because they're not going to see me again until maybe next year. Maybe never again. So it's, it's almost like a research project, right? It's, 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 so, it's so cool to, to get all of this in a full week and then come back and tell you, yep, <laughs> world is full of sin, just like we thought. <laughs> So there's no surprises, but it is this great reassurance and a, and a theme that I hear over and over and over again when it comes to people of faith is to struggle with the things they've done, their past. And you know, sometimes it's, it is really minor stuff where you've got this kid growing up in, in just a happy, healthy Christian home, and they're so tore up because they stole candy from their brother. And I'm like, that is so terrible. <laughs> and then you've got those kids who've run away from home, who've, who've hurt people, who have physically or, or emotionally hurt people, those kids who have broken laws and, and done these, these things, or those, those guides who, who were sort of real worldly in high school and college and had their world kind of turned around, which is a lot closer to my story. And you, you, you hear all of that, that varying, and it doesn't matter how big the sin seems or how small it seems to us, it seems as though it's stuck, right? It's stuck. It's stuck in our craw. It's like this, this rock in the river. We get downstream from it, but, but we're downstream a ways, but that current that swirls around that rock is still buffeting us and causing us trouble and just trying to get further down the path of life and discipleship, and maybe it's a little bit less, but it seems like it's still there, still, still causing us distress. It's, it's a real thing for, for all of us. That's another thing I, I love um, to, to bring to the people of Camp Omega is to say, I, I preach in front of a bunch of people, and the whole time I, I think to myself, I know so much about so many of these people. I, I know so much of the things that they struggle with, they're afraid of, the, the, the things they feel terrible about, the, the things that they're continuing to work through. I, I know so much, and, and I preach to them all, thinking the whole time, Man, they just don't know how messed up I am <laughs> or my family. <laughs> okay, some of you do. <laughs> but that's, that's the joy of the kingdom is, is to kind of break down some of that stuff and, and sort of embrace as our text embraces today that we're all a bunch of rejects. That's the first point in the sermon, and it really warrants us to look at the scripture we just read one more time. So it says, as you come to him, him, and then this is telling us who him is, Jesus, of course, but he's a living stone rejected by men, but in sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves 
like living stones. So Peter is, is telling us Jesus is that, that living stone that, that has been rejected by men, precious, of course. We, we know how precious Jesus is. He's saying the same thing about us. You too, as those living stones, so you can apply the same stuff to us. Rejected by men, but precious to God. It's, a, it's cool. I, I maybe won't do all of them, but the scriptures are absolutely chock full of this kind of language. You go back to Deuteronomy, this language of the rock being God himself. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness, and without iniquity, just and upright is he. There's another one from Isaiah who's got several um, in Isaiah, for you have forgotten the God of your salvation and not remembered the rock of your refuge. I can probably stop there. I, I can tell you there's probably 20 or 30 references to God being the rock. Jesus tells that, that parable of the wise man who builds his house on the rock. Over and over again, God is seen as this long-term, immovable, permanent foundation unable to be moved or swayed. The Lord doesn't change. So this, this, is, this is a solid foundation, a, a God who is God, no matter what. But then the scripture adds this, rejected by men. Why would you reject a rock, <laughs> right? Well, these, these men that are, that are spoken of in Scripture, looking in the full context, you get the picture of those people who are taking those rocks and cutting them to build a temple, which is what, of course, Peter is talking about. He says that, that we are being built up as a spiritual house or a spiritual temple. I just saw it randomly yesterday as I'm sitting in my driveway just, you know, chilling out, Flipping through some reels, I saw, um, knowing that I was preaching on this, I saw a guy cutting a giant boulder. It was really cool. It was, he was doing it old school, not with like a laser or like a water torch gun thing. He had all of these wedges, these steel wedges, and like a big 20-pound sledgehammer. There's, there's probably 20 of these things. The, the boulder was, was taller than me, and he would bing, 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 and he would hit it, and he would just keep going, ding, 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 and eventually the whole thing goes boom, perfect straight cut all the way through. The only way that works is if, if you're looking at the, the rock, you have to see where there might be a seam in it, right? You can't just start hammering holes in a rock and think it's going to split perfectly straight. you got to find the scene. So they're, they're looking for something. They're, they're looking for a way to cut this the way that they want it. Of course, they want it nice and straight so they can finish it and chisel it, make it nice and square so that as you're building the foundation of, of the temple in Israel or whatever it is you're building, you want that to be nice and square because as you know, if, if you're not square on the corners, then nothing is going to be square and it's not going to be very stable. So there were people looking for God the rock and they thought they knew what they were looking for. They, they thought that this is the characteristics. These are the things to be looking for. This is who God the rock, the Messiah sent, will be like. 
This is what it's going to look like when we find him. And they're going through a quarry, if you will, of all of these different rocks. And they're, they're looking and they come to the rock that has been laid in Zion and the builders reject it. See, they're looking for something that isn't there. What they're looking for isn't right. What they're looking for isn't, isn't actually what they should be looking for. They're looking for things of the world. They're looking for a, a, a God who is going to come in power to overthrow the Romans, a, a, a king who will rule on a throne and have this incredible army or, or whatever it is that they're looking for, a, a God that will give them wealth and success, a God who will make the people of Israel the greatest people on earth and, and who will rule and conquer and others will serve them or, or destroy their enemies and bring down fire and brimstone. Whatever they're looking for, they look at Jesus Jesus and they go, well, that ain't it. <laughs> and so they keep going. And that stone rejected, God says this, this stone of Jesus is the true cornerstone because it has those properties that he's going to build his kingdom on. And those properties aren't popular in the world. Those properties don't overthrow kingdoms and, and smite and destroy enemies. Those properties offer compassion and love. Those properties aren't the, the great strength, but rather frailty and weakness of one who would take on flesh and be vulnerable and die on a cross. Oof. That's not what you want for the corner of your temple, is it? You want strength. You want power. You want might. No? Not in God's kingdom. Not in God's kingdom. That's why he's rejected. But we know from Paul, who writes, in, in my weakness, he is made strong. We know from Paul that is in the weakness and frailty and brokenness of Christ that he dies that horrible death offers to us salvation because that death, that, that is such a terrible, gruesome death, not just because of the, the beating and the whipping and all those things. It's a gruesome death because this perfect man with, with no fault or blemish in him becomes the ugliest, grossest sinner ever because my sins and your sins were made to be his sins. And I've, I've said it before, and you have to be careful how you hear this, but theologically speaking, at that moment in time, Jesus was by far, orders of magnitudes, the greatest sinner ever. Not because he had sinned, but because he was made to be my, your, and everybody's sin. Talk about a great injustice. Talk about, about a great injustice of, of somebody being accused and prosecuted and, and convicted of a crime they never committed. Jesus was accused of, prosecuted, and then made to be every crime ever committed and paid the ultimate punishment for it. 
so you can see how people who are trying to build something strong, right? The, the religious rulers of the time, the people of the time are looking for great strength. And here is this emaciated, beaten, cut, bloodied, and dead guy. And they go, well, that's not it. <laughs> We're looking for something different. So he's a reject. He was cast aside because the world just didn't think that he was worth all that much. We're a bunch of rejects just like that. I mean, sometimes we do have value. Sometimes people, the world sees us with a value if we're good at our jobs or, or if we have nice things or, or if we're a nice person. The world will at some point say, oh, this is, this is good. This is, you're, you're good. They, they, they don't fully reject us. But this thing happens, especially with Christians who have, um, and, and all Christians have the Holy Spirit in them, there is this conviction of, yeah, but that stuff isn't really worth all that much, right? Those, those are things of the world. So when the, when the world is trying to embrace those things about us, we, we get this sense of guilt. And, and, and I do this all the time. Dan does it too. And, and it's okay. It's healthy for us to say. But if, man, if you knew, if you knew, like the last thing I want and the last thing Dan wants or, or any pastor worth his salt should want is sort of a hero worship. You know, someday I'll be as good as Pastor Luke. Oh, I pray you aren't. <laughs> pray you're far better. Because we have this conviction. This is the job of the Holy Spirit to say, no, you, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't embrace what the world is embracing because that's not how God builds his kingdom. And that conviction that's right there is like, man, if people knew my thoughts and my feelings, if they knew what I said or I did, if, if they knew about when I was a kid, or last week, <laughs> there's this thing that happened so long ago, or this thing I just did a year ago. Whatever it is, we have this disconnect, this incongruity, and we feel like th these people just don't know. And if they did know, they would totally reject me. Good. <laughs> Good. So the world's a bunch of liars because they all have those things too, but they're either not convicted and feeling terrible about it because the Holy Spirit's not convicting them, or because they don't have Christ, they don't see it as sinful and wrong. Now, we want to have that feeling of being rejected. It's a strange dichotomy. It's a good thing that Jesus was rejected by the world. It's a good thing that he didn't fit their criteria. It's a good thing because we see the master plan of in weakness and frailty, there is strength, and in death, there is life. It is only if Jesus is killed for the sins of all people, that we can have the forgiveness. It goes all the way back to the beginning with, with Adam and Eve. If you eat of this fruit, surely you will die. But then he intervenes and says, not you, but my son. And that story takes a few thousand years to get to the conclusion of it. But at that moment, he makes that promise that not you, something else will die. It was one of my... I have these little moments of joy when I'm working with the counselors. These are students of Scripture, but 
but young, new to it. And we're walking through the Genesis story. And I, and I said, was Jesus, was, was God wrong? When God said, if you eat of this fruit, surely you will die. And they were like, no, it's Jesus. And they go, whoa, 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 time out. Something else died first. They were covered, their shame was covered with animal skins, meaning a critter died. See, right from the beginning, covering shame, covering sin requires death, but it's going to never fully work, no matter how many, how many animals are sacrificed by, by Abraham, by Moses, by the Israelites, no matter how many animal sacrifices happen, you still have to keep doing them right up until Jesus' death. And then we see that's the conclusion of if you eat of this fruit, you will die. It's put right there on Jesus. So in death, we have life. And the world absolutely is going to reject that. <laughs> right? Of course the world's going to reject the idea that dying is the only way to live. Jesus says it over and over again. If you, if you live to this world, you will die. If you die to this world, you will live. This, this is the, the upside-down nature, the, the strange, like, like odd existence of God's kingdom just works counterintuitively to the world. So I want to just drive this home, that, that feeling of, rejection, that feeling of if they only knew, that feeling of I've done terrible things, I've said terrible things, whether it, you feel it's, it's a small thing or a big thing or whatever, that feeling comes from the world, not from God. Even if it's not really coming from the world, if, if nobody even knows, <laughs> but you still feel it, that, that's not a feeling being rejected by God. It's fear of being rejected if they only knew because God himself was rejected. God himself was rejected because he didn't fit. He didn't match. He wasn't good enough by the standards of the world. God himself in Jesus Christ was absolutely rejected. And, and Peter says, on this cornerstone, he is building the kingdom of God. And he says, you yourselves like those rejected stones that you are, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. He starts using priesthood language here for a reason. Be because we are this temple of God where he is present with us. And, and in a miraculous way, every time two or three are gathered, he's here in, in one way. But as you leave these doors and go home, you remain the temple of God where his spirit lives in you. Not rejected by God, rejected by men. That's fine. But when it comes to dealing with your past, <laughs> that's been dealt with. When it, when it comes to these things that are behind you, that's the world. And they rejected Jesus too. I'm in good company. When the world thinks that I'm not all that good, when, when other people judge or say you're not good enough, you're not good enough as, as, a, as a husband, a father, a pastor, and, and I hear it. I mean, there's, there's a big audience out there of people who think I could do a lot better job or do things differently. It's okay. I'm not talking about you guys. I'm, I'm talking about I, some of you guys. <laughs> but out there, there's a lot, of, a lot of Pastor Luke critics. It's okay. Because I'm in good company every time I'm rejected by people in this world. 
And he says here that this, this holy priesthood that we are being built into, we are to offer spiritual sacrifices. The next part of the sermon. The spiritual sacrifices that we offer. This is a significant point. We, so we think we ought to offer a sacrifice to God to do something. In the Old Testament, that was, you know, the spiritual sacrifices were these external things. Kill that, take the blood, put it on the altar, shake it on the people. Uh, this is how you have to live. These sacrifices of, of dietary things, all of that stuff kind of hangs out with us sometimes. We think we have to do something, make some sort of sacrifice, because five years ago this, or when I was in college, I can't believe I did that, right? So I'm going to have to make it up to God with some sort of offering or sacrifice. And, and, and that's how the world works, right? If I, if I break your thing, I, I have to pay for your thing. If I wrong you and you sue me, and, and that's, it, it goes through the court system, I have to pay you for that. I have to do something for it. But that's not a spiritual sacrifice. See, in the kingdom of God, the sacrifice having been made for, for all of those things that you did when you were in high school, when you were in college, a year ago, last week, whatever it is, that sacrifice has been made. So now it's a spiritual sacrifice. And the spiritual sacrifices, well, those are made clear later in, in the text. The, the spiritual sacrifice that we make as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people for his own possession, we proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We proclaim the truth. It's a spiritual sacrifice because as you're doing so, yeah, you become more rejected by the world. It's a spiritual sacrifice to, to not just write a check and, and pay for the wrongdoing or say, I did this thing, so I'll do that thing, and that should balance out in sort of God's weird Christian karma. It just doesn't work this way. The spiritual sacrifice that we make is to confess it and say, yeah, I did that. And, and confess to the person you wrong and ask for forgiveness. And that, that is not a simple thing. It costs less money. You can't write a million-dollar check instead of it. So it, it's, it's a hard thing to do, to, to come to somebody and say, I did this. I am sorry. And it's a difficult thing for anybody, a Christian or anyone else, to say, I forgive you, and now let's put this in the past and move forward. And the world might say, how could you ever forgive them? And you might have friends say, why would you forgive that? What they said about you? What they did? And now we have a hard sacrifice to make to say yes. Yes, because what I have done has been forgiven. And, and my brokenness has been redeemed. This is how we deal with our past, with confession, absolution. Sometimes there's more spiritual stuff that has to line up with that, which is the, the growth in spiritual maturity from reading scripture, from prayer. I encourage working things out with people, whether that is uh, with a pastor, with an elder, with a, a counselor and a therapist. You, you go and, and you get these things out and say, man, this is what I have to deal with. And somebody who can say to you, you need to go to this person for this and this, and, and just kind of mapping that out and saying, all right, here's my spiritual sacrifice. 
doesn't cost me money, doesn't cost me anything other than time and the willingness to be like Christ, to be humble, frail, vulnerable, maybe even beaten up and broken, but then through that to live. And that, that dynamic, last point in the sermon, I know I'm already long, but I was at Camp Omega, this is what happens. I get all, like, all the words come to me all at once. That was then, this is now. This is the title because it's not accurate. <laughs> there, is no, there is no sense of, that was then, I did all of that stuff that Pastor Luke said on January or July 17th, and now I'm good. Nope. That was then, and then is now, and this is an ongoing thing. Right at the beginning of our text this morning, it says, as you come to him, the, the sense of that in the Greek is with this ongoing continuation. So when you go, it's like as you eat dinner, which you're going to do today, tomorrow, and ongoing, right? As you come to him, as you continue coming to him, this is always going to be the way it is. Dealing with your past is a daily thing. Dealing with the, the impact of, of your sin or others' sin to you in your past and, and those things, that is going to be every day. With discipline and time and practice, we absolutely can get better. And with more time and distance from those things, we learn how to continuously go back. And sometimes you have to go back to the same person over and over again and say, I, I'm still, I just... I'm sorry for that. I know you said forgive me, but sometimes I feel like it affects my relationship with you like this. Or sometimes I have to deal with it like that. Maybe it's just going to the Lord with it and saying, Lord, I know that's forgiven and I know that's behind me, but it's bugging me today. So, so Lord, speak to me again that same word that you spoke here, that, that I am a reject just like your son that I'm in great company with all the people of living faith who are just a bunch of rejects and with Jesus Christ himself, rejected by men who's becoming the cornerstone of the greatest kingdom time has ever seen, to be fully manifest at the resurrection, a kingdom that has lasted for thousands and thousands of years where others have lasted centuries at best, the kingdom of God on earth that is full of children, of princes and princesses, is full of priests who offer these spiritual sacrifices, who live with an economy that's different from the world's economy, that, that feeds the hungry and, and that clothes the poor and visits those in prison and, and is this healthy community of God's people on earth. It has been thousands of years that this kingdom has reigned on earth in its current frail, vulnerable, but strong way. But the day is coming when the king will return, will be raised from the dead, and that kingdom will have its full manifestation and sin will be rejected and the world will be rejected and we will become heirs to the greatest kingdom the new earth has ever seen. Amen. May the peace that surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Would you please stand to pray with me? Heavenly Father, I rejoice 
that in so many ways that I'm rejected by this world. I give you thanks that, that I don't fit in, that I don't feel perfect, that I don't feel good about myself until I remember that I don't belong here with these worldly people. I belong here in this congregation with all these other rejects. And I belong with you in your kingdom. I belong with you who has been broken, who has been weak, who has been made sin so that I can be made perfect to live with you in eternity. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.